This is Vincent, and you're listening to Liberal Lies, Liars, and True Believers. We all know that liberals lie. They lie all the time. And their friends in the media lie, too. Their uninformed true believers claim that liberals are the smartest people in the room. But facts prove that wherever they have power, there's only failure. Our job is to expose their lies, to stand up to their lies, and to keep our freedom. Well, everyone's least favorite year is almost over. Most people can't wait to see 2020 end, unless, of course, you're a hedge fund manager or a money manager. Many of them have gotten much richer because of the pandemic. The pandemic has to be the biggest story of 2020, but there are others, too. The coronavirus has been terrible for the world. It's killed over 1.7 million people, and it isn't over yet. It'll take at least another year for the vaccine to be available for everyone. By then, we could see 3 million or more total deaths around the world. And the thing to remember is that this virus was made in a laboratory in Wuhan province, China. It was an experiment gone bad. We still don't know what they were trying to accomplish. There's some speculation that this lab is one of seven labs being built in China to study pathogens. Each of these labs costs nearly $45 million, and each one is supposed to be completely secure. Nothing can get out. Everyone working in these labs is highly skilled and thoroughly trained, making it virtually impossible for anything harmful to escape. But something did escape, and so far, it's killed over a million people. The Chinese government is still denying everything. They always deny everything. That's the nature of a totalitarian government. They accept no blame for anything. If you accuse them of being responsible for what happened in Wuhan and you live in China, you disappear completely and forever. If you don't live in China and accuse them of any wrongdoing, they deny it. But we know it's very likely that the virus did escape from this lab in Wuhan, and the Chinese government can keep on denying it as long as they want and as loudly as they want, but we'll still know with 99% certainty that this lab was responsible for the virus. And we know something else that's not very comforting. Deadly viruses can escape labs, labs that everyone thinks are completely secure. And these viruses can kill millions of people. What we don't know is how many labs like this one exist in the world. I'm sure that China isn't the only country where experiments into pathogens is being conducted. The other thing we don't know is why were they conducting these experiments? Were they trying to develop cures for potential diseases? Or were they trying to make biological weapons? Is the coronavirus simply a test of a weapon system? If that's what this is, then we should all be very afraid, because China is a dangerous country, being led by very dangerous people. No one is telling China to stop what they're doing. No one, except maybe some people in Australia, are actually demanding answers as to what really happened in that lab. And I'd like to know, what other experiments are they conducting? How dangerous are they? And can they be controlled if they get out of some laboratory? And how many private labs, labs unknown to the Chinese government, are also conducting unauthorized experiments? 
We know of at least one rogue scientist in China who was arrested for conducting experiments into genetic science. He was trying to manipulate genes, conducting experiments into gene editing and splicing. Who knows where that could lead to? My concern is that government-funded laboratories all over the world are doing things that could end up doing a lot more harm to the world than the coronavirus. What about places like North Korea and Russia? I'd like to know what they're doing in their labs. And scientists in private labs all over the world are conducting experiments too, and that doesn't make me feel very comfortable. It seems to me that governments aren't being very forthcoming about their experiments, and no one knows what private labs are doing either. I'm sure that many scientists are trying to do good things, like finding a cure for cancer and heart disease and the common cold. But there are also other labs trying to do experiments with genetics or forms of energy or viruses, and that could spell disaster for the world. A hundred years ago, scientists were limited in their knowledge of things that could cause worldwide disasters. But that's a very different story these days. The only worry then was that they might blow up their laboratory, but today they could do real harm to the world. The knowledge they have today and the resources are so far advanced that no one knows the true extent of the damage they could cause. But what happened in China and the worldwide disaster it's caused should put us all on alert. We shouldn't just be concentrating on the short-term damage that this virus has done. We have vaccines now, but that shouldn't make us feel comfortable. The bad news is that this will probably happen again, and we need to be prepared for it. We can't let our governments fall asleep at the switch when this crisis is over. We need to be preparing for the next crisis, and we need to do everything we can to find out what types of experiments are being conducted in these laboratories, the authorized ones and the unauthorized ones too. Our intelligence communities must start making it an important priority to learn about this danger to national security. And we need to have plans in place and health supplies stockpiled too, so we can deal with any potential threats. And the breakthroughs in technology that have led to showing us how to speed up the process of finding vaccines to cure potential viruses must be used in the future to deal with these threats. And we can't ever let government bureaucracies get in the way of finding cures as they have so often done in the past. But one of my biggest takeaways is that we don't know nearly enough about potential threats, threats that we obviously haven't been taking nearly seriously enough in the past. We need to know more. It's imperative that we know more. And our leaders and the press must do their job to uncover these threats and help defeat them. Another troubling thing about 2020 was the acceptance of violent protest to achieve political outcomes. To me, this has been very difficult to accept. We stopped talking to each other years ago. We've stopped negotiating with each other, too and we look to ideology to solve problems. I say we, but I mean the left. The left has adopted an all-or-nothing political strategy because somewhere along the line, their leaders decided that negotiatings weren't getting them where they wanted to be fast enough. 
The Democrat Party has always been infected by the far-left radicals and their totalitarian ideas ever since the 1960s, but their voices were always muted. Things have changed now. Now they seem to be sick and tired of patiently waiting and waiting for the changes that they've been seeking, and they've embraced violence as a means of taking control. This comes as no surprise to those of us who have followed them for many years. They've been moving to this inevitable conclusion for a very long time, and now they believe that their time has come. They've denied over and over that their goal is absolute control, but their actions prove beyond any doubt, just the opposite. And what's been absolutely shocking to so many people, including me, is that the mainstream media are backing their play. They're joining with the radical left to endorse violence, burning, and looting as a justifiable means of attaining political power. This has been both eye-opening and terrifying at the same time. When the media supports violence and joins with radical leftists to help them take down the political system, that flies in the face of what we've always believed the media stood for, or should stand for, impartiality, fairness, a system designed to take no sides but to report things as they are. Instead, they've been reporting that violent demonstrations are really peaceful. We see what's happening, but they tell us that our eyes deceive us. The burning, the looting, the violence against the police and anyone who disagrees with them isn't really happening. They're merely reacting to the violence being directed against them. They're reacting to the systematic racism all around them. They're reacting to police violence against helpless people. They're standing up for them. If only America was a just place, there'd be no need for violence, they claim. And justice can only be achieved through violence and by tearing down our terrible racist past and building a new system, one that's based on justice for all, one that achieves equality of outcome for all, not equality of opportunity. They're telling us loudly and clearly what they want. They want Marxism. That's what equality of outcome is all about. It's the foundation for Marxism. They think that people are too stupid to realize what equality of outcome really means, and they're correct in that assumption. Too many of the true believers on the left refuse to look at and to evaluate what it really means. If they found out, they'd have to stop supporting the revolution. And the revolution is romantic and exciting. All revolutions are. And when you're young and stupid, or old and ignorant, or simply power-hungry, it's all about the revolution. 2020 has shown us that the media have lost all of their credibility, and we now have no reason to ever trust them again. That's a terrible reality that could actually bring down a government. Can any government survive the complete breakdown of the news media? But that's what we've seen in America in the year 2020. And it isn't just America either. All over the world, it seems, that the media have abdicated their role as reporters of the truth. They're taking sides. And usually, the side they choose is the radical side, the wrong side. No one could ever have imagined that the media could become so radicalized and that they would ever support violence. But they have. And they do. And I don't have the foggiest idea 
of how to get them to abandon violence and to take up the role of the disinterested reporter once again. The only possible solution is to give voice to other options and opinions, but the media, and that includes social media, seems very adept at shutting down any opinion that opposes them. This must change if our freedom is to be preserved, because that's what's really being undermined. But this is the terrible truth of 2020. The Democrat Party and the media have joined together to endorse and promote violence to achieve a political outcome. They're all about the revolution. Revolutions are so exciting, but none of them actually seem to live up to the hype, except maybe the American Revolution. But can that one last? I don't think we have the answer to that question, at least not in the year 2020. And my question is, will 2021 be the year when people grow up? Will it be the year when people realize that giving the radical left power is a very bad idea? The special election in Georgia to see which party controls the U.S. Senate will go a long way to answering that question. But one question was answered in 2020, and that one was very important, too. The Trump experiment worked. It worked wonderfully in so many ways. You may dislike the man a lot. You may not like his tweets or his brashness or his confrontational personality, but his policies worked. And the only thing we know for certain is that whether or not he lost the election fairly or not, whether or not he was rejected as a man or if the election was stolen, as he claims, his policies worked great. Never have we seen an economy recover so fast as the one he inherited from Barack Obama and Joe Biden. The economy he inherited was just awful. Obama's foreign policy was in shambles, and he was decimating the military and the intelligence communities. His only success was in dividing the American people into groups, groups that he happily incentivized into hating each other. He was a master of divide and conquer, even at the expense of the American dream, a dream that he rejected completely. President Donald Trump restored America. He brought it back. He no longer accepted the idea that American and Western civilization in general was evil and deserved to be in decline. He saw that the Constitution protected everyone, no matter what race or gender you are, and that the only way we can live together in harmony is to live together in freedom, not in a society where an all-powerful government controls your every thought and movement. And the actions of so many petty tyrants in state and local governments wielding their power so badly, so stupidly, have hurt everyone during the COVID-19 crisis. They've shown us how little they value our children and their education. And they've shown how little they value our freedom and how much they love their power and authority. But the good side of that is that their actions have made so many of us value our freedom even more. President Trump has kept us safe and prosperous, and he restored the military, and he brought jobs back to America. What he did was very important. And even with him gone from the White House, it'll be very hard to convince people that his policies didn't work, that socialism is a better way. His results will be hard to beat. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris will be held accountable if America goes backwards, if their policies fail. 
Yes, 2020 was a tough year in many ways, but it's possible that because of everything that happened, we'll be better off because of it. Maybe we'll open our eyes to all of the experiments being done in labs all over the world, and we'll demand to know what's going on so we can all be safer. Maybe we'll learn that we can respond to a crisis and move quickly to develop vaccines faster than anyone thought possible. Maybe we won't let tyrants make bad decisions in a crisis, decisions that don't work, decisions that only make things worse for everyone. Maybe we'll no longer accept violence as an acceptable way to achieve political outcomes. And maybe we'll demand competence from our media. And maybe we'll learn that when an economy is free, everyone benefits. And that when people are free, they're happy. And when people are prosperous and free, they're better able to live in harmony with each other. We may not get the answers to these questions in 2021. All we can do is take it one year at a time and hope that things will get better. It would be hard to imagine that things can be worse than they were in 2020.